The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is... We are two weekends into the season now. Um, I would love to say that things are starting to shape, take shape and the league looks exactly as most people predicted it or even I predicted it. That is not the case. Um, there are, but there are lots of interesting things happening, um, both on the ice, in the arenas, and of course, behind the scenes. Um, there's lots and lots to talk about, uh, even though we're, you know, most teams have played between four and six games. Uh, but we're also going to go back in time this week and look at how the league, uh, got to where it is thinking on the world and of course inspired by the retro throwback jerseys that the league is doing uh we're throwing back uh to a segment we used to do uh add one and we're Mm -hmm. throwing back to a hockey news article uh that originally came out quite some time ago before i'm assuming most of our listeners uh were even born where do we want to start this week Oh, we could start with new news, like the fact that Eric is no longer unemployed. Why don't we start with the new news? Uh, And yes, I believe, uh, unless my memory is very, very off, that this is the first time that Eric and Mark Stahl will get to play together uh, as part of their regular regular season. That's my understanding. And like as, as we were Actually, discussing, it's not. Uh, they oh. did get to play together for twenty games back in the fifteen sixteen season. Oh, but not anything like a full season. Ah. Uh, so as long as they both stay reasonably healthy and stay in Florida. So as you know, we're talking about. Eric Stahl, who signed for veteran minimum $750,000 contract to play with the Florida Panthers. Why would ever? Why is everybody wanting to go to Florida? Is it the no income tax, or is it the fact that no they shoveling were pres- snow? They were the president's trophy winners last year. No shoveling snow. Well, no shoveling that that. That's a good one, yeah. Really, really solid team. Being there at ground zero for Matthew Kachuk running into, well, everyone. Um, yeah, this, we had, yes, we had him on the front half. We, we had him here in Boston on the front half of the um, Kachuk tour, yes. This could actually be a really, really fun team to watch this year, not just for the offensive ability, but for the pure physicality. Um, I mean, you've got, obviously you've got Kachuk, you've got, um, Radko Gudis, you've got Ekblad who will throw the, throw a, a nice hit here and there. Um, I don't think people should leave out, um, don't think people should leave Eric Stahl out of that because he is happy to throw the body at need or at will. <laughs> Is he as I mean, and and I'm not saying that you know as a hockey player, I'm sure that 
he is or will, but he's going to be 38 later this month. Yep. That's does that's he need to be does he need to be throwing the body around as much? I mean, you've got other younger guys and that can handle that the the, the physicality side. But I mean, that's you part bring of him in back. It's that veteran know-how, that timing, and that willingness to do whatever. Yes. But you bring him in, locker room, um, locker room, Olympic. uh, He's got that Olympic um, experience. He's got. Well, he is a member of the quote-unquote triple gold club, although I don't understand how that works because, yes, he's got an Olympic gold medal, he's got a World Championships gold medal, and he's got a Stanley Cup, which isn't gold. Well, I I thought the, I thought the triple was the uh, juniors, but um, details, details. Well, either that or whoever wrote this article in the Sun Sentinel. Let's see if we have a name here. Hmm. Time Reynolds. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, but it says by Time Reynolds. Uh, T-I-M-E, unless somebody accidentally added an E on. But I apologize if I mispronounced it. Uh, Yes, the triple gold is gold medal, Olympic gold medal, world champs and Stanley Cup. Again, doesn't make sense to me because Stanley Cup's not gold, but I understand the idea behind it. It makes him the fourth oldest player in the league to skate in a game this year behind Giordano Pavelski and Zach Parise is 38 years old and actually skating still. I thought he had called it a day as well. I'm glad to see him back in the league. I mean, the man was always, he's a real competitor. Battling, like, well, that's what I was going to say. He's always battling it out, not just with Patrice as far as face-off percentage, which, by the way, he's winning again this year. He's got like a 62.5%, win percentage in face-offs. Um, it, it, it was always just he, – he's just – he's one of those guys, right place, right time, knows – where to be anticipates he just the talent level is off the charts it's nice to see him back it was weird to not have him in the league i know at some point you're not gonna have it's like not having char it's like at some point and i'm gonna be speak blasphemy no but at some point stop stop you don't want to hear that i know speak not that blasphemy speak not that blasphemy that bergeron is don't I was going to say young. <laughs> um, so Eric Stahl is back. Him and Mark will, in theory, at least get to play together the whole year and into the postseason. I really can't see a way that the Florida Panthers can fail to make the playoffs this year. Um, whether they make it four games into the playoffs or 16 game or 16 games into the playoffs is anyone's guess. Yeah, um, having, I, having him in that locker room. Another Stanley Cup winner in the locker room at Florida. Yeah. Especially when you've added that, when you've added that Kachuk factor and you've gotten that belligerence because 
Eric is a hundred percent willing to it, stir it up. And I mean, is that something they were missing? I, I mean, they were. It, yes. I think I think physicality was one thing they were missing last year in the playoffs. I also think that they ran so hard during the regular season, and I'm and it's not a negative. I mean, I I just this is a team that was somewhat young, had a couple. I just don't think that they knew to pace themselves, and I think bringing in a stall is somebody who's going to get them to pace themselves. I'm less concerned about pacing themselves than I am with actual with them not having learned how to overcome adversity. The regular season, you know, you lose a game, it kind of sucks, and then you move on to the next game, and it doesn't really, you don't really have to reset because 99.5% of the time it's against someone else. And if you're a team like the Florida Panthers were last year, that someone else is probably not as good as the team that you just lost to. You don't have that grind of facing someone at least four times in a row um, at any point in the regular season. Yeah. And, you know, facing the New York Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Carolina Hurricanes four games in a row is different from playing the Islanders one night, the Sabres one night, the Coyotes the next night, and then the Edmonton Oilers to follow that. Even if you lose one of those early games to the teams that you should beat, big deal. You're going to bounce back. You're going to be ticked off enough that even if you're not executing at 100%, you're going to be playing better as long as you don't start moping. But playing better against a great team might still not be enough uh, if you're if you're only going from playing at 30% to playing at 60%. Um, if you're going from playing at 60% and losing to a great team to playing at 90%, yeah, you have a much better shot of winning. Mm-hmm. But sometimes at 100%, still not enough. Um, I I don't know that this team or that the roster we saw last year, A, had the belligerence, the truculence, the grit to say, look, I walked out of the arena last night with enough energy to go out for dinner and complain with my friends for three and a half hours after the game. (laughs) I clearly didn't leave enough on the ice. Yes. Um, And, and, and that was my, and that was my first thought is that they, their, their issue and, and physical does take part. It does play a part in the playoff. You have to, you have to be physical. You can't just, and I think that that's, I honestly think that's part of Edmonton's problem because they've clearly got the offensive portion down. Uh, they have other issues, but I think physicality. Well, they had serious issues. injuries. Edmonton had serious injuries last year. We saw Nurse was barely able to move across the ice, and Drysaddle wasn't any better. Right. I mean, the only negative I see, and 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 I'm just alluding back to the fact that they were just here in Boston and. When they showed up in Boston, they were already playing with only five defensemen. And then Ekblad got hurt. They were playing. They finished that game with four defensemen. Ekblad, it turns out, is going to be out until like middle of November. Mm-hmm. So we're talking another three weeks. Um, and their answer was to go and get Eric Stahl. Again, not complaining that it's Eric Stahl, but 
complaining that it's Eric Stahl because uh, you lost a defenseman. You finished a game with literally four defensemen, and then you went and signed Eric Stahl. He doesn't play defense. He is a defensive forward. He, he is play a really good defensive forward. Yes. But no, he's not a defenseman. And that's uh, – so that that line of thinking is a little weird to me because uh, you already okay, showed up. available. True. Uh, I mean, is, is signing Zdeno Chara, who just announced his retirement, going to solve the problem? Probably no. As much as we all love Z, he's not NHL fast anymore. No, this is true. I mean, if he if, if Zdeno Chara really wanted to, he could probably go play in the ECHL is for five NH- years and probably win MVP all five years. Is he NHL slow or is he just not there anymore? I I do not think he's got the speed to be in the NHL anymore. I thought that was sort of evident when he was playing with Washington, but yeah. I thought it was sort of evident when he was playing with the Islanders. <sighs> <laughs> that would be before the Bruins. No. He didn't Oh, no, him. that's right. No, no, no. He went... Where did he go? He went from the Bruins to... He went, I'm sorry. He went from the Bruins to the Capitals to the Islanders. I thought it okay. was the other order. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it when Islanders he was with the, the Capitals. That's what I'm saying. When he was with the Capitals, I thought that he was. In, in fairness, with the Caps, that whole team looked slow and old. Okay. That year, the 2021 season, that whole team looked slow and old, it, with the possible exception of Ovechkin, and even he didn't look like himself. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have a terrible season, but mm-hmm. he only had 24 goals in 45 games. One of the few players in the league where you can make that and make it make, make that statement and have it make sense. Uh, but he finished fourth in scoring on that team that year. Sure, he missed games, but I don't think I don't think that anyone on that team looked good that year. Yeah, no, I have to stretches. agree. Certainly not by the playoffs. I would say the last 10 games of that season and their playoff uh, – the the playoff games in which their teams were listed, no. <laughs> just no. So in, so in closing, I just wanted to say welcome back, Eric. You were missed. It'll be nice to see you on the ice again. Sorry we didn't get to see you in Boston. Yep. Uh, and the – Anyone who is small and who is a small and petty person, like possibly me, uh, might be wondering if he did it just so that Patrice Bergeron wouldn't pass him on the old on the scoring list for the 2003 draft. Okay, conspiracy theories abound on this one. I, I I'm going to have to call shenanigans here, but because any, anything is possible, I will say that anything as is of possible. right now, Bergeron is only 46 points behind him. I don't. I don't know. He would have clearly passed him this year. That's uh, that's entirely true. It's entirely possible. I just think that it. I don't know. It, it, egos. I mean, ego is a funny thing. So yeah. It, it, again, like I said, it is possible. I just don't know. I don't think so. Not to mention Joe pa, uh, Joe Pavelski is uh, is about a hundred points behind him, and I think Pavelski has at least one more year on his contract too. 
just saying. It's interesting that you mentioned Pavelski, though, because. Yeah, we do have uh, a Pavelski story. Thirty-eight years, years, 103 days old, uh, young, um, and he's on the list of oldest players with a hat trick. Yep. He just needs uh, four years and 100-ish days uh, then to do it again to be the oldest with a hat trick. Because the top three on that list are in, to no one's surprise, except maybe the third one. Uh, Yaramir Yager, New Jersey Devils. Um, he did it in 2015 at 43 years and 30, 322 days. So almost 43 years old. 42, yeah. 320. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought it was great when he tweeted out that he was, you know, he's still playing. He's looking for a defenseman or something like that. And come play that for me. That was the best. <laughs> I mean, and literally. Then, and then at the end best. it said, not kidding or no joke or something like that. <laughs> uh, that so was, he, he really was fishing for a defenseman on Twitter. <laughs> that was possibly the best tweet by any active or semi-active hockey player I've ever seen. Uh. Um, but Timu Solani is second, 40 years old, 268 days. that guy could score goals. And then, of course, the, the shocker on yeah. here is Nick Lindstrom, 40 yeah. years, 231 days. You're shocked because you don't like him, so... I'm... I I never said I didn't like him. I just said that he is wildly overrated. So all Joe do, all Joe has to do is play for another four and a half years. Yes, and then get a hat trick. And get a hat trick, and he'll be at the top of the list. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sorry, but he's played the, man, the last two or three seasons. Not impossible. The, I don't know what happened. This guy, seriously, I know that there's, you know, the whole Fountain of Youth thing in Florida and, and Ponce de Leon and all that. This guy either bathed in it or, I don't know, took a shower, you know, has it imported from Florida to his house. I don't know what he does, but the way he's playing now is like, Better than he was his last five years in in San Jose. Well, in in his defense, according uh, over those five years in San Jose, that team was um um chum. We're gonna call it chum. I mean, he is back with Peter DeBoer. I don't know if that's anything to him or I don't know if that helps him or I mean but with Peter DeBoer behind the bench hey maybe he really liked playing for him but last year with bonus he was what was he 82 points in 82 games or something like that I I mean pretty close scary good and still doing it at 38 years old I mean as much as they love to say you know young man's league and and I don't know. You look at some of these older players that are still doing it and guys like Pavelski and Bergeron and and we'll see what Eric Stahl can do, but don't rule them out. Don't, don't forget about them. Don't write them off because Patrice is not exactly 
having a terrible season here in Boston this year either. So, but congratulations to Joe. Four more years. I'd like to stick, see him stick around for four more years if he can play at, at least close to this level. I mean, I have no problems with that. The man's still putting the puck in the net, still leading his team. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, <clears throat> playing that many more years, given that he's just about uh, 1,200 games into his career being part of that 03 draft class. Um, yeah, he'll hit 1,200 games uh, somewhere just uh, end of December, beginning of January. Um, that's going to war with your body. Uh, yeah. Plain and simple, 1,200 NHL games is not for the weak at heart. Um, another four seasons on top of that, yikes. That's, I mean, you're talking into the 1,600 game range plus playoff games. Plus all that travel. What is it? What is it about that draft, though? I mean, I I don't know. Something in the water, perhaps. Never, uh, never, never again. We had another 03 draft guy playing last night in the Bruins game, along with Bergeron. The guy in net at the other end, Mark Andre Fleury. Oh, that's right. Who is who is up? <laughs> Who 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 is way up there for all time appearances by a goaltender? I think he hit like number six last night all to himself. I don't know. All I know is in in the overtime he was ridiculous good. So, um, speaking of war, uh, another war may be coming to an end. Um, as of today, the score stands at uh, PWHPA four. PHF seven. That would be the number of teams in either women's league in North America. Um, the professional hockey, uh, foundation, um, added, uh, added teams last year Mm -hmm. and, and will kick off their season in about two weeks. Um, their teams all have quite frankly, recognizable names that are, uh, that have stayed the same each year. Um, and I, I think that it's, it's probably time to bury this one and no. stack all of the talent in one league. We had this conversation every year for five years. No, no, no. But we actually talked about the, the, the PWPHA, I want to say it was either in the spring or early summer. And we brought up the fact that it maybe it should be time to merge these. Two. I, I know it's young. Competition is good. But at this point in time, I think it, it and, and even back then we talked about and it would be better if they would just, you know, get a league formed that is uniform I know that it sounds counter counterintuitive considering there was the NHL and the what was it WHL WHA that they merged with. There was the NHL, the IHL, the AHL were all effectively peers for a good period of time. 
But you'll uh, notice the IHL finally no longer. I mean, it, I think that right now, in terms of growth and trying to grow the sport, I mean, we were we were sitting before a movie the other night, and we were talking with uh, the people in our group, and one of them didn't realize that there was women's hockey. Yeah. So, women's I mean, hockey is being carried by ESPN. Admittedly, it's ESPN Plus. But, and this person who watches a reasonable amount of sports, they're not a huge sports fan, but a reasonable amount of sports in a city where there actually is one of those teams. And at one point, there were two of those teams uh, before what is now the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association uh, contracted. Um, and that's that's a... That's a problem. I mean, well, it's a it's a it's a yeah, it's a visual problem. I mean, and and granted, okay, the the teams that were playing were college teams. It was Boston University versus I think Boston College actually, or or oh the, yeah, the college teams. But there's professional but, women's hockey in the city. Yes, and by the way, they're back to back Isobel Cup champion. So and literally the dominant team in the league. Um, we're so, speaking, of course, of the Boston Pride, who opened the season and will complete two games in less than 24, in about 24 hours, maybe a little bit less, um, in just a couple of weeks, which is absolutely bonkers. Like, they start their, they start their home opener or the season opener November 5th, 7 p.m., Mm-hmm. Or your Rice Arena, and their tickets are available at pride.universitytickets.com. Um, and Sunday, November 6th at 2 p.m., they play a different team. Uh, a different, oh, at, a different. So it's not even a back to back, it's a different. No. Team. Connecticut Whale, um, and then uh, the Metropolitan Riveters. Damn. Have you seen scheduling like that in the NHL any time recently? I think maybe when they were, I don't I don't even know if they were within 24 hours though, but I know they tried to squeeze games in during the 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 first year back from the pause. You will see you'll see them starting like 20 hours apart, 22 hours apart, but this is like 18 hours apart or less. I mean literally these women are going to finish the game. They're going to have to get Go back, home, shower, <laughs> sleep, <laughs> eat, rehydrate, stretch out back to the races. Is there enough time to do all this between 10 and say noon the next day or 11 o'clock, whenever they have to be at warrior arena yet? Wow. That's no. I understand that there's I understand that there's putting your body out there for the love of hockey, but wow, that's <laughs> I mean, going back to the split between the ideologies behind running a women's league, um combining at this point, or even if the com- even if the combination looked more like the um looked more like major league Baseball, where you have 
two different rule sets and limited individual uh, limited limited cross play. Uh, and you play for a single championship at the end of the year. Yeah. I think it would keep the game, the sport, in focus longer. With only seven teams in the in the uh, PHF and only four teams um, in their competitor, you're, you don't have the sustainability of, of having a game every two nights, every three nights at most. Um, Are any of the four teams left in the PWPHA overlapping with PHF? Like you said, we had Boston had a PWPHA and a PHF team. I let me let me look, uh, because with the names of the teams, it's hard to remember where they are. Well, yes, the team in Boston was called Bauer after like Bauer Skates or something like that. It was like whoever sponsored the team, that was the team name. Yes. Uh, I'm just, I didn't know if you had it pulled up in front of you. That's why I asked. I didn't actually have it pulled up. Um, the four teams are, but they're, that's, that's part of the issue is they're not even doing a season. They're doing showcases. Um, they're doing, uh, there's a Pittsburgh showcase. From November 26th and November 22nd, uh, 7th. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that they have NHL club partners. So they've got a connection to the NHL. Um, and they're also doing. They're also doing a tour in Truro. Um, okay. Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia. Um, for on November 5th and 6th, uh, which again, we're talking about if you're doing, or they're doing it the fourth through the sixth. If you're, if you've got limited players and limited arenas and a limited number of press who are going to be covering events, you're, in my opinion, hurting yourself. Well, the thing is that because I mean, this is the same this is the same weekend that the EHF opens up. But I'm I, I I'm looking at I'm looking at the roster for Team Scotiabank in the PWPHA, and the first name that jumps out at me, and there are a couple, there are actually a couple of names I recognize, but the first one that jumps out at me is Natalie Spooner. Yep. Natalie Spooner is like one of their top, top players on, she's on their women's national team. She scored many goals on the international stage, highly talented. Getting talent like that and having one, is she getting the recognition in a four team league that she wouldn't get more of in say a 10 team league? Or a 12-team league, yeah. Or, I just, yeah. I'm thinking to take the talent of the two leagues, combine it together, a rising tide lifts all boats. You take the club partnerships that the PWPHA has, you take the connections that the PHF has, 
the talent, combine it. You get yourself a fledgling league, which is about a third of the size of the NHL. There's your footprint. And I know I'm making it sound really simple, and it's not, but that to me sounds like the next logical step in the progression of women's hockey on a national level as far as a national league is concerned. That's all I'm saying. Nothing against the PWHPA, and that's a mouthful, by the way. But to take, to be able to take what they have and combine it with what the PHS have, PHF has to offer. I mean, it, it just, it sounds like a, a, a logical thing to me. Mm-hmm. Alex Carpenter actually plays on the Scotiabank team Scotiabank in the PHWPA. PWPHA, excuse me. Yeah, um, I mean, the the PWHPA is doing that the Dream Gap Tour for the fourth year in a row, mm-hmm. while the PHF is running a full season. I, I don't know that this is a gap that the PWHPA can bridge. I don't know that it's good for the sport, and I'm specifically speaking of the sport of women's hockey, to say... Well, rather than grow a league and try and change it from within, we're going to hurt both ourselves <clears throat> and the other women women players by trying to maintain two separate leagues. And it's a league and a half at this point, because if you don't have a regular schedule and you're only doing effectively neutral site team as uh, games are you really a league true I mean I'm looking now I'm looking at team Adidas roster and uh, Kendall Coin Schofield plays for him Amanda Kessel plays for him they've got name recognition Maddie Rooney plays for them the goaltender for the American national team again if you took this and you set these you set up you know what the PHF has seven teams. If you took those four, set up 11 teams, set up 10 teams, set up 12 teams total, almost doesn't matter. If you can actually cover 12 metropolitan regions in North America or 10 metropolitan major metro regions in North America, you're going to be, you're going to have that broadcast uh, and advertising leverage to get major sponsorship even if it's at terrible times and you're starting your games at 11 p.m. Eastern time. It doesn't matter. You're going to have more money than you're able to get with four teams or seven teams or whatever right now. I think it's for the good of the sport to say, let's make changes. And I'm not saying that the PWHPA should just Roll up their uh, roll up the carpet and move on, or just set everything on fire, walk out, uh, and join the PHF. 
I'm saying that there's probably some room for ideas from both sides to make a better product and something better able to support and sustain players while they and the players in the franchises of women's hockey. I would agree to both. I do have one question for you, and it's it, it, it not. I, I'm looking at the last roster, and Hillary Knight is on the Sonnet team. Sonnet. Mm-hmm. I thought Hillary Knight played in the PHF. Did she leave the PHF? At one point, she did play in the PHF. Uh, that was before it re- renamed itself. Um, but yes. But again, name rec, Brianna Jenner. I mean, the the name recognition that these four teams have, the players that they have. Like, this is Micah Zandy Hart. Yeah, I know that name. Yeah, the, this. We need to somehow get these two leagues together. And from that should be born a fledgling national league and yes it certainly gives them the 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 power to bring in bigger sponsors and and ooh, bigger sponsors and a more continual engagement with the fans if i haven't watched i haven't continually watched nhl or nfl programming in a long time my Sundays are too busy for me to watch games every week. Mm-hmm. But literally 12 months a year, there is something that tells that reminds you of the NFL. They adjust their schedule, whether it's their draft or their combines or uh, or like managers meetings or whatever, so that there is always something NFL in the news. And yep. you really, really can't do that sustainably with as few teams as either women's league has at this point. And that, that signals time for us to uh, hop in the time machine, uh, set the cruise control to kick on at 88 miles an hour and uh, do something we haven't done in a very long time. And I think it's over two years, maybe three years. No, it hasn't been that long. We Oh, I think it ha- I think it has been like two years since we've done Ad One. Okay. And I put together a special throwback Ad One for you. Um, for those of you new to it or who just flat out don't remember uh, how this segment works, um, I pick a team, or one of us picks a team, and then provides players. Uh, as a choice to add to that team right now to make it improved Uh, for this throwback edition, all of the players that I picked are at least a couple of years retired. Um, And there's a variety of names that, well, many people should recognize, but I can only add one. You can only add one. That's the rule. And so for the first team, uh, we have the Vancouver Canucks. (laughs) we were talking about the needs for attitude for this team and i think with the three players here 
you're getting a variety of that. Mm-hmm. Um, two of whom played together for a well-remembered series. Um, and one of whom uh, is still making news in NHL circles. The answer is no, I don't want Alexander Burrows. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I will have to write him in for my next one. Um, oh, okay. I thought I thought I actually guessed right for for a moment there. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Keep going. So uh, together, they rec- so, yeah. Bill Ger- Bill Guerin. He's already got a job. Okay. And for these retired players, assume that you're pulling them out of the time machine at the peak of their career, whenever you consider that, and dropping them into the league right now. Okay. So Bill Guerin. Mm-hmm. Scott Niedermeyer or Chris Pronger in Vancouver in Vancouver oh gotta be Chris Pronger first of all you you solidify that defense which as much as I like Oliver Ekman Larson as much as I like Quinn Hughes Quinn Hughes is not physical size just prohibits I, I shouldn't say prohibits that because if you look at guys like Krug and Clifton who can hit and we've seen them both here in Boston. That's why I use them. It's not that I don't recognize other players have that ability, but Quinn Hughes just, he's not, he's finesse. He, he quarterbacks power play. He scores, he can score goals. He he's fast. They don't have that. And Pronger, not only is he a top tier defenseman in his prime, but people were afraid of him. Yep. I was much as I like Niedermeyer as much. I, I mean, at first when you said Scott, my first thought was Scott Stevens, and that would have been another perfect. But Scott Niedermeyer, I, not quite to the level of a Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger for me is the guy that I would take there. As much as I like Scott Niedermeyer, and while I, it's really, 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 really difficult to to argue with Chris Pronger. I think Bill Guerin's game would adapt better to the current NHL. Still physical, still skilled, but Chris Pronger went out of his way for those open ice hits that would, they're just not received well in the current NHL. I'd probably still pick Chris Pronger, but. I think from a defensive standpoint, I mean. From a defensive standpoint, you almost have to. And that's why I went with they. I think that that team needs more help defensively than they do offensively. I know that they keep trying to trade all their young talent away. Why? I have no idea. I mean, it's not Benning running the show anymore, but they're still trying to trade Besser. Still trying to trade Patterson. I think it's a Benning issue. I think it's I think it's an ownership issue, but that's just my humble opinion. Yeah, Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that either. So. But yeah, me, I'd go Pronger. I get get where you're coming from as far as the – I think Pronger was a little bit – Pronger had the ability to go over the top once in a while. Yeah. But I think that sometimes a little bit of – It's necessary sometimes. Yeah. Um, Next team, uh, not moving very far. Uh, This one is possibly the one most likely to get you either lynched or rolled. Uh, or dragged rather in the uh, in the media for this one, but Winnipeg Jets. Your choices are 
Mario Lemieux. Mm. Henrik Lundqvist. And Ray Borg. Don't don't do the Jeopardy thing on me. You know the doo doo doo. Um, because this one requires a little more thought. Or is it easier than you know? And I'm just making it more difficult than it needs to be, which is also a possibility. And see, for me, as much as I like most a a great number of people listening to the show would mm-hmm. automatically just say Mario Lemieux. And that's that's go ahead. And that's not a terrible answer. It's not but, a terrible answer. What? From what was my choice? Mario uh, Mario um Henrik Lundqvist, Lundqvist Ray and Ray Bork. Now, for me, this comes down to how much I've heard about the locker room for like six or seven years in Winnipeg being poisonous. Mario Lemieux was a fantastic player. Yes. Like there are really solid arguments that he is better than Gretzky or was better than Gretzky. However, I think he was more physical than Gretzky. That's not a high bar. I understand that. That's probably part of the reason why I said it, but go ahead. Um, but for me to fix that team, you need leadership ability as well as excellence. You're going to say the same person I am. Go ahead. Um, and I think that there's a couple of different ways to do that. You can have someone who's a really large personality with lots of barbs, like throw in a Chris Pronger or throw in a throw in a Milan Lucic, although he's not retired, but someone with that level of uh, attitude, who's just going to point at people and say, pull your head from that really dark, uh, dirty place where you've got it stuck and do it my way. Um, or you can go with guys who are just going to make you better at every turn. And I think that leaves the two guys who are not Mario. And then it comes down after that, it comes down to which one you think can have the greater effect there. And which one do you think will be the largest improvement at their actual position? Oh, I'm, I'm already, so I, I, I chose Ray Bork. So, uh, it's what I expected you to pick, but uh, it's still not wrong. Sorry. Um, I'm no, no. Hellebuck is Hellebuck is a Hellebuck is a very solid goaltender. And I again, I'm I'm of the mind that I know that it's old school thinking, but defense wins championships. You've got Joshua Morrissey, yay. Nate Schmidt. I like Nate. You, you, I like Nate Schmidt. I, I don't know. And, and, but after those two and and Neil Pionk, I'm just thinking. Yeah, but you bring in a Ray Bork, 
all that locker room you're talking about and the man was a leader in the locker room on the ice led by example you put him on this team you give them a very a very 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 solid to almost great I mean Bork eats up a lot of minutes but between Morrissey, Pionk, and Schmidt. So you get a top four, and... You get, like, a 45-minute-a-night top four. <laughs> yeah. 47-minute-a-night. <laughs> and I think that Hellebuck is going to sit back there and be like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, does your answer change if I swap uh, Mario Lemieux out for Marc Messier? Not really. Okay. I like Messier, and I, I, I w- I'm not going to be the guy that's going to say, well, you know, you played with Gretzky, because clearly he did it without Gretzky when he was in New York. Although, didn't Gretzky play for the Rangers for a short time, too? But sure. Briefly, not at the peak of his powers. Correct. Yeah. I mean, Messier did it with and without Gretzky. So anybody who sits there and thinks that Messier somehow was riding coattails or something, because I have heard that in the past. More than uh, once. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I still don't think that I, I still don't think that works for me. I, I, I think when you're going to throw in a caliber of Ray Bork into the mix and I appreciate throwing in Lundquist because damn. So, I don't think that you, like, I don't think you need to I don't think you need to swap out the goaltending on this team. I think Hellebuck is damn good. I think you need to get better in front of him. That's fair. Um, so moving on to team three, we are still saying staying in the Pacific Northwest, um, and we're going to the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All of them. Uh, no, I think you're going to. I think you're definitely going to express a preference, or at least, even if it's a negative preference. Um, I understand. I understand the rule is add one, but all of them. <laughs> our three choices are all of them. <laughs> Pecorine, Olf mm. Samuelson, or mm. Adams. Wow. No. Wow. Why would you throw in Ulf Samuelson? I wouldn't add because him. Because Samuelson, despite as much as people here didn't really like him. People in Boston don't like him because he took away their Neely. Um, he was a really solid player. Uh, played over a thousand NHL games, was about as physical as players come. Uh, he played 132 postseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had a really strong career, whether you liked him or disliked him. And that level of physicality and attitude and drive is undeniable, even if most Boston Bruins fans would probably still tell you they would fight him in a bar. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, I may say things about I'm not going to make a statement like that. I'm not. I don't have a death wish. Thank you. So who's your who's your choice? 
I hate to do this to a goaltender. I really do. I, I, I hate to do this to a goaltender. Because what's in front of him, this is why I said all. But you got to have somebody that can keep the puck out of the net, even when the guys in front of you are not at their best. I know you want me to say Alpi, and you know what? Alpi probably wouldn't be a bad choice because he brings the grit. He brings the and he was a solid defenseman as well and big boy. But I forget who the forward was. The thing is, with forwards, you can. Adam, you forget who Adam Oates is. Oh, Adam Oates. Thank you. And and I love Adam Oates. I think he's as team is currently constructed. I find that he might kind his talent might kind of be wasted. Who's he passing to? Everly, Morgan Geeky, and Ryan Donato. I like Morgan Geeky. We know this. Ryan Donato scored a very scored a nice goal the other night too. And how about Carson Kuhlman and Daniel Sprong? I want Pecorine. I want a goalie that's going to keep the puck out of the net. That I honestly expected you to pick him. Uh, Did you really? You one, you like your goalies. Two, you like Pekka. <laughs> you liked Pekka his entire career. Well, you didn't say you say sorrow. So three, he's probably like Darcy Kemper. He's absolutely the most recent of uh, of these three players to have been in the NHL. Um. So yeah, I'm not surprised. And it's hard to argue for any of them, but I actually might take Samuelson because I don't think that that defense is viable. Like, I don't think that defense is viable at all. Well, we know how you feel about Alexiak. Adam Larson, I still don't understand how you trade Adam Larson for Taylor Hall straight up and actually do it with a straight face. I don't understand that one at all. Uh Vince Dunn, I like, I, I don't, okay, let me just, let's just summarize it as there is no one better than a second pairing defenseman on this team. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I like Alexiak more than you, but I still wouldn't put him, I still wouldn't put him as a top pairing. And that's, that's the issue. Um, They don't have any top pairing defensemen on this team. (laughs) I think that you could trade all three defensemen and be better served with the third round pick. You'd, as all three goaltenders uh, and be better served with the second round pick. You'd get back for them. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that unless you improve that defense and give it some sort of anchor that it's, it matters. I mean, is even in Pecorino, Tim Thomas, Craig Anderson, Name but your favorite bad goaltender, bad team goaltender. That's that's my point. Is that those guys are at least going to keep some of the pucks that are getting through out of the net. So yes, they can do more with less in front of them. That's why I went with Rene. I I, I understand where you're coming from, and but I'm Rene the one who's played with great defensemen in front of him almost his entire career or his entire career. I don't know if he can do as well with. This in front of him. That is, yeah, that that defense in in Nashville 
Ah, to dream. <laughs> I just dream. don't know if it can be done. Can we just add Nashville? Can I just pick Nashville's defense? Not quite, but okay. <laughs> Seriously, can I just have <laughs> Shea Weber and Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis and Matias Ekholm and Seth Jones? Can I just like pick them and be done with it? Cause I could take them anywhere and turn a team into a playoff team. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. I can um, take that. I can take that defense core to anywhere, even Arizona and turn them into a playoff team. It may not be a deep run if they have a terrible goaltender and can't score goals, but they'll get to the first round. They would. Um, <laughs> but no. Uh, so, we are leaving the Western Conference. Ah. We will be back in the Western Conference, but we are leaving the Western Conference. We are touching down in Columbus. Interesting. And your three choices are Paul Coffey, oh Dustin why? Brown, and Peter Klima. It didn't even give me a goaltender. That's correct. What the heck do I want Peter Klima for? He's famous for scoring a goal in a third overtime game after sitting on the benches all, the whole game. Don't so want you're Peter Klima. He's a playoff contributor. I'm saying. Eh. <laughs> no Peter Klima for me, thanks. Paul Coffey. See, you had to go and throw Coffey in there because their defense is just. <sighs> and since you didn't give me a goaltender. <laughs> um, but I really want Dustin Brown just because I really like Dustin Brown. <laughs> I really want Dustin Brown. Okay, so Dustin Brown as it is. But they need defense. This defense is terrible except for Wierenski. I don't even know half these people. I don't even know. <laughs> oh, you know what? I still want Dustin Brown the hell with it. Uh, Dustin Brown, two-time Stanley Cup winner. The man brought it every night. Physical. Could put the puck in the net. He's going to protect Johnny Hockey. Absolutely. Yes, give me Dustin Brown. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I I know I should go defense here. Although Coffee was more of an Coffee offense. was an offensive defenseman. Yeah. And give me Dustin Brown. Yeah. Uh, the next one is even. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That that I'll take that as agreement. I'll take that. Uh, the next one is even more interesting. Would you go Brown there? I don't know, because I think Paul Coffey, as much as I was never sold on his defense, would be about an average two-way defenseman at this point. Okay. Um, it, I I would have to think. It's fair, and if I use if I use the if I use my brain instead of my heart, it would be a more difficult choice. But I just so like Dustin Brown and what he brings that, and what I've seen of him over the years that I just want Dustin Brown. Um, so that, that, well, that's a hard Devils. Oh, Devils. New Jersey Devils. Yes, we Devils. have three interesting players. 
Mussolini. Mm. Okay. Marian Hosa. Mm-hmm. And Chris Osgood. <laughs> well, we know who you didn't pick, so. <laughs> we know you're not going with the goaltender. Hey, also so did win a cup or two. I mean, behind arguably the best defense in five years on either side of it in the league, but he did. Yeah, one of them was that guy Lindstrom that you don't like. You just don't like Red Wings. That's the problem. Maybe you didn't like that they had five Russians playing on the ice. I don't know. Oh, goodness. Marion Hosa, Timo Solane. How do you say... How do you say no to 76 goals in a season as a rookie? As a rookie. From there. The problem is that I couldn't. Mm. Hosa Hosa showed more defensive prowess than. This one's tougher than it seems only because. As much as I like Solani and his offensive punch, I don't know that he was as good skating backwards as Hosa. No, he wasn't. <laughs> that being and said. And they both played a ridiculous number of games. I mean, Hosa played 1,309. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's with a lockout or two thrown in there. And Solani played 1,451. That being said, Mackenzie Blackwood is Vanacek has got the worst save percentage in the league. Blackwood is markedly improved this year if he can stay healthy. And I mean like he's actually over ninety percent, which would be nice if we could get back to what he had three years ago, but eh. So Osgood might No, you know what? You didn't offer me a defender. I like the I, I, I Marion Hosa played um won some played many playoff games, won if I'm not at least, at least one He won with Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Hosa here. Between the two forwards, I, I don't think that there's a bad choice. Um, Osgood was league average or slightly below for his entire league tenure. Um, he had one really good playoff run behind that, you know, six all-star defensemen. (laughs) Of, of all the goalies I remember and saw play during their time in, during the time in Detroit, he's probably lowest on the totem pole as far as. I mean, Dominic Hasek, when he was there, was still dominating. Uh, even Mike Vernon, when he was there, was bad. I don't know. The Osgood, he had his moments, but eh. Tough was, to like. But if, I'm sorry. If Chris Osgood were an NFL player, uh, he would have that butt fumble like uh, <laughs> Fitz Magic. It wasn't Fitz Magic. It was Mark Sanchez. Whatever. They're both the same player. 
not even close. One went to USC, the other one played it like Harvard. <laughs> Neither one of them was good. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, fine. All right. And last. All right, last one. Are we going Pacific Northwest again? Um, sort of. Yes. Okay. Which means you can probably guess the team. But can you guess the player theme? Well, first I'm trying to guess Pacific Northwest. There's no, we're running out of the teams here. You use you use Vancouver. You use Seattle. Uh huh. What's left in the Pacific Northwest? Calgary. San Jose Sharks. That would be the not Northwest. Eh, they're down, they're down in California. <laughs> but okay, Sharks. They're and in Northern the, California. And the, theme is, and the theme is going to be... Um, going back in time. The theme is going to be San Jose Sharks, going back in time. My choices will be Joe Thornton, Joe Thornton, or Joe Thornton. <laughs> Not quite. Um, your choices are Martin St. Louis, Martin Brodeur, or Martin Hansel. Why? Three because we have hopped in the DeLorean. And Martin Jones? <laughs> Martin Jones isn't technically retired yet. I mean, his numbers look like he's not on the ice, but... Martin Hansel? Really? No. So, Marty Brodeur. You know what? San Jose needs goaltending. Martin Brodeur. San Jose needs everything. Yeah, well, they're another team where I, I, I gave up on saying, can I have all of them because you won't let me have them all. So I'm going to go with Brodeur. I mean, the guy is number one for a reason. Granted, he had Scott Stevens in front of him and, and a bunch of other really good defensemen. And New Jersey was much stronger back then. But Marty Brodeur was no joke. I mean... The guy's number one. Yeah, you can't really argue that. Yeah, I think Brodeur is. So we're going to go Marty Brodeur here. Fix that it from, supposed to fix take it from, longer. I mean, you have Marty St. Louis and you. And just, Martin St. Louis has a job. It's kind of like Bill Guerin. He's got a job. <laughs> They're not available. <laughs> If I can't have everybody, then I have to be realistic. They're both working. <sighs> okay, let's let's get to that thing. Am that I wrong? Would about. you? I, am I wrong? Are you going to go St. Louis here and really forego the number one goaltender of all time? One, I'm not sure that Martin Brodeur is the number one goaltender of all time. Marty Brodeur, yes. Brodeur is not the number one goaltender of all time. I said I'm not sure, and I'm willing to listen to disagreements. I'm not willing to accept them, but I'm willing to listen to them. His save percentage, eh? Okay. He's got a huge number of losses, huge number of wins, and most shutouts. And uh, I, as again, uh, there's. There is evidence to indicate that he should be talked about in the top, you know, 35 or 40. 
but <laughs> number one overall. I know how much you love Tim Thomas. I know that that's what you're doing. I mean, you're trying to put Tim at the top, and I, I put him in the top five, maybe three, five. But I would, if you asked me, if you legitimately asked me to put to pick a goaltender for a five-year run with only okay defense in front of him. You're going to go Tim I would take Dominic Hasek ahead of, ahead of Marty uh, Brodeur. I'm going to take Craig Anderson. Thank you very much. I didn't say bad defense. I said only okay. <laughs> Bad or non-existent defense? <laughs> defense and name only, yeah. That was fun. Now, you were desperately clattering on and on and on and on and on about certain stats before we started recording. So I'm going to give you a chance to vent for our audience. What stats? Go ahead. But you only have four minutes. What stats? Oh, uh, those goal, stats. Goaltending stats, yes. No, 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 not goaltending stats. Just a, a, we watching the we were watching the I, or we were I was I don't know if you were I assume you were because it's the Boston Bruins. But I, I just jot down a couple of notes real quick and one and of course. They all revolve around my suddenly faint favorite defenseman on the Boston Bruins. Um, but to start things off, goaltending-wise, <clears throat> I know that everyone is suddenly loving Linus Olmark. Uh, the man, as it stands today after last night's game, has a 9.29 save percentage, a 2.33 goals against average. And when he was signed here to his four-year, $20 million deal, everybody went, there's no Tuca. Well, we don't need Tuca. We got this guy. And Linus Olmark, regardless of how you felt about him in Buffalo, because Buffalo was a bad team, now he has a real defense in front of him. And now in his second year, and all the, and the communication is much better and they understand and he understands and everybody's playing together and Montgomery actually has a system. Oh my goodness. He's actually really good. Shock of all shocks. Um, I was going to say Taylor Hall was snake bitten because he's had many opportunities, but he did finally score in the overtime last night. Um, he scored in the regular game too. Did we all know that Hampus Lindholm was a sniper? Yes. Did you see the goal he scored last night? I actually was listening to the game because I was out uh, doing real-life stuff. Deeks around Marcus. It takes a shot, hits Marcus Polino, gets blocked, gets a putt back, deeks around him, and then throws it up over the left shoulder of Marc-Andre Fleury into the corner of the net. I mean, it was like, I'm just sitting there, and I was just like, Wow. I did not know Hampus Lindholm was a sniper. <laughs> um, Nick Felino, is he finally healthy? And this is this is where you get to come in because you made a statement. Was it last week's show or the week before? Where, or, or maybe it was just a conversation between us. But you had said something to me about if Nick Felino scores five goals in 12 games. And I said, there's no way Nick Felino is scoring five goals in 12 games. Well, as it stands, he has three goals in six games, and I'm getting ready to eat that humble pie. <laughs> I've got yeah, a slice. It's in, nice and hot. 
I've got a slice. It's in the fridge. I promise I'll heat it up properly in the oven and not in the microwave, but I do have a slice ready just in case. Uh, what did you see that I didn't – because I mean, clearly he's healthier. I understand that. Uh, no, he it's, was not it's, healthy. Oh, it's both the healthier and the motivation. Like you can't play in the NHL for any length of time, much less as long as uh, Polino has, mm-hmm. without having some, some pride in your level of play. Okay. Um. I just, I, I, I mean, I, watching him stop. Given his play last season, yeah. Given how, given just like his body language most of last year, and the change in it early this year, not just from much less pain, obviously, but from a renewed sense of purpose. There is no way, no way he was going to be as bad this year as he was last year. I mean, he had all of 13 points in 64 games last year. He's got four points through six games this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not like going back to his going back to his previous years. I mean, at 64 games or so, he never had less than 30 points. So having a hot streak of you know five and 12. It's not really outside um, outside possibility. I wasn't sure it was going to happen, and I still don't see him having another 31-goal season like he did in the 14-15 season. I mean, that was nearly a decade ago and a bunch of injuries. Okay. But you looked at that, and you looked at the way that he skated during the preseason. He looked like a different player than what we saw on the ice last year. I think that he came into last season hurt, and I don't think that it ever that he ever was healthy. And I for darn sure know that he was never both healthy and confident. I mean, I don't want to slap the F word on him because I don't think that he ever has been truly fast, but he actually looked quick last night watching him in that game. And he is initiating contact he's not accepting it or he's always done that he's always here he i don't think last year he was though and i think that's a that's another part of his game that boosts that confidence you're talking about that and and but his passing ability i mean it all looks so much improved that something had to have been wrong i i understand he wasn't healthy i know he went some nagging injuries everybody has and I think there was something more serious than just nagging injuries last year. Well, I think it was multiple nagging injuries. And as someone who's not got the greatest health and who knows a lot of people with uh, degenerative disorders, whether it's, you know, disc disorders like back problems, neck problems, or people with arthritis, um, it's... The more the more they are, the more of them there are, and the worse they are at any given point. Mm-hmm. The harder it is to do even normal stuff, much less play hockey. Like play hockey at an NHL level with some 
with the with the type of things that we saw for a guy like Nick Foligno, who's got who's known as a physical player. I mean, he had 124 penalty minutes back in the 11-12 season, 96 back in the 13-14 season. This is not a guy to shy away from physicality. For him to have only 61 penalty minutes last year, that tells you how he was feeling more than anything else. Um, he just he just he looks uh, so much better and and he looks significantly better. Yes, I don't I, I I'm still not ready to say that he's worth his three point eight million. I still think that he's being overpaid, but it's nice to see that he is doing better and the and and what he's performing and how it, it's it's just it's nice to see. Uh, last but not least, your favorite, my favorite. I don't know if he's your favorite, but I'm going to make him your favorite for now. Mr. Cliffy Hockey, Connor Clifton. I don't know how you can actually take him and put him on the bench. And there's one other thing that I question about Montgomery. I don't understand it. But the man is second on the Bruins in average time on ice. Yep. Behind only Hampus Lindholm. Uh, who Hampus is averaging 24 minutes, 24 and a half minutes a night. Connor Clifton is averaging 22 minutes and 37 seconds of hockey per night, per game. Yep. Second on the team. Second. Yeah. As far as shorthanded time on ice per game, Connor Clifton is not first. However, he is way above Hampus Lindholm. Hampus Lindholm averages two minutes and 14 seconds of shorthanded time on ice per night. Number one is Derek Forbort, who averages 4.15. Connor Clifton averages four minutes and five seconds of shorthanded time on ice per night. Yeah, it's it's apparent that the, the pairing of Clifton and Forbort is... And I've saw and I saw this and I saw a discussion of the other two players in a lot of different uh, articles over the last ten days. It's making one of, possibly even both of, uh, Carlo and Grizzly redundant. But what really bothers me, and it bothers me only because he. I think that he has the capabilities to handle the role, but I don't know. I mean, we do have other players. Connor Clifton, as much as he averages second on the team in shorthanded time on ice, Connor Clifton averages 12 seconds of power play time on ice per game. That's justified. Like, you may not like it, but it's justified. Really? In what way? Because just about every other defenseman not named Brandon Carlo has proven that they have more offensive ability than Cliffy. Mike Riley? Really? I said just about. I mean, okay, Grizzlick, I get it. Hampus Lindholm, after seeing that sniping he did, uh, I, I, I mean, I get it. that it, Hampus Lindholm was brought in to be the number one slash the other defenseman. Part, the other thing you have to remember is where him and Forbert are A, an effective pairing at even strength, and B, both playing, both playing heavy PK time 
if you start giving one of them su- stupid amounts of power play time, particularly where they're, neither one of them is really offensively gifted, um, you're breaking up that pairing and you're hurting yourself at five on five where most hockey is played. I just okay. 160 games into Cliffy's career, he has five NHL goals. Yeah, admittedly, his not playoff saying. performance is absurd, and he has four goals in 43 playoff games. <laughs> but for 160 regular season games, only five goals. He never. He's never in his career, and we're talking going back to the Jersey Hitmen and the U.S. national development team in 11-12 had more than, seven, uh, more than seven goals in a single season. It's, I like Cliffy as much as anyone. I've been saying this for three-plus three years. He needs to be on the ice as much as possible. He still hasn't had that 200 to 300 game at the NHL level that usually separates it tells you really what someone is going to be in their career. And he should hit that 200 mark, uh, just after the mid season. Yeah. Um, uh, late January, early February, somewhere around there before the trade deadline. Um, but I said in the off season that the thing that I wanted most was a shakeup. Well, not the thing I wanted most, but the thing I felt most necessary was a shakeup of the defense because they were all too similar. Him and Brandon Carlo, neither one of them is an offensive guru. Um, I think that just based on salary at this point, mm-hmm. as much as I like Carlo way more than I expected to when he was drafted and in development camp, if you're going to trade someone, it should be him. Um, and I think that you'll get a better price for him because he's two years younger than Clifton, mm-hmm. which feels weird. Um, but it though? Yeah. I mean, he's at 405 games. You know what he is. Um, but even Grizzlick is older, too. Uh, I think Grizzlick is like 28 at this point, which, again, feels really weird. Yeah. Yeah, Grizzlick is 28. Um, he's older than Clippy? Wow. Yes. You can Grizzlick's at 309 games. You can pitch Carlo and and Grizzlick as veteran defensemen when you're trying to trade them. Um, and I think you can. I think you're still going to get a better return for them Do, because they. Go ahead. No, I was just I'm just, I'm thinking out loud. And yes, I know Carlo is six five, but do either Carlo or Grizzly bring the physical side that Connor bring. I mean, and and it's weird because I no. wrote this down. No, they don't. During the during the post game stuff, which I don't usually watch, but it was on, and I just yeah. So Billy Jaffe made the comment that Clifton was starting to surprise slash scare. Other play- like they're they're aware of him. They're aware, you know. Oh, you know, Clippy's on the ice. Make sure you keep your head on the swivel. Make sure you keep your head up, because he brings that physical. I mean, he did it again last night. He cleaned somebody out. And everybody was oh, and, you know. 
he's always got those one or two hits in a game where everybody just stands up and takes notice. I mean, he's physical anyway. He can get people in the corners and do do his job, but he can he has that ability to 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 just rub somebody out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and I think that Clifton is slightly more durable than Grizzly. Um, so for long term, yeah, I I don't necessarily I don't feel that one of them in particular needs to be traded. I think that the team would benefit from getting the right shot defenseman that they've been looking for forever. Uh, right shot, right side defenseman that um, that they really need to. And if it means Carlo or Grizzly moves, it you know that's that's hockey. That's the business. Unfortunately, and I like I like Brandon Carlo. I mean. It wasn't it, it wasn't it was a little bit of a shock when we saw him and, and at first dev camp. And you know, camp, was, when we saw him and that was still in Restusha, memory says. Yep. He was doing a defensive drill at the far end, right under where uh, the announce booth sits and in front of uh, the locker rooms or at the locker room end where all the Bruins brass sat in the stands. Oh, well, he would have taken about, he could have legitimately been called for about 17 stick penalties in about <laughs> 35 seconds in one of those drills. You remember Claude and, rolling in in his golf attire and got a tan and <laughs> no, he was burnt. He looked like a lobster, like three minutes. <laughs> I was ball. trying to be nice. <laughs> Look, even Claude would tell you that he was burnt that day. He was. You could tell he was on the course for a while <laughs> without protection. <laughs> but yeah, or Brandon, without enough protection. But Brandon, I mean, I understand the size and everything. But yeah, it was kind of like Matt Benning his first year. He looked like deer in the headlights and overweight and everything. And then he shows up the second year and it's like, who the hell is this kid? Wow. <laughs> Lost all the weight, got faster, got stronger. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was a nice. It was nice to see Brandon Carl. I don't want to see him go. I'm not advocating for trading him. I'm not. I'm just, not advocating for trading any particular player. But like I like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, if if um, Felino can get to that five goals in twelve games plateau. Mm-hmm. And you can legitimately package him and one of those two defensemen, Grizzly Carlo. Can you get yourself back a really solid defenseman for the other side uh, who's on the right, who's a right shot? I think you can. And you might have to add something else in, or it might just be that the total cap space works for the other team. But if you can improve your team. Um, no, yeah. I, and, and yes, I agree. I just, I, I, and it would suck to see him go, but it would, suck to, it would, it would suck to see him go, but. See, I, you know, as much as, as much as I don't particularly want either of them traded. Yeah. I think the Grizzly added to the Vancouver Canucks 
kind of makes sense. They're not a huge, big physical team, but he's still willing to play the body. And he does, he plays smart in traffic. And I think that where that team is fairly small and not particularly physical with a lot of former college players in it, Mm -hmm. that he might gel with them and be able to take on some of that leadership uh, and push that team in the right direction. I'm not saying he's going to instantly all by himself turn them into a playoff team because I don't think that you could add Ray Bork to that team and Adam Oates to that team and turn them into a playoff team. Um, But I think that the attitude plus the familiarity with players like, oh, I don't know, Curtis Lazar and um, I forget who the other one is. Uh, uh, There's I thought there was another former Bruin out there. Vancouver. uh, Vancouver. No, it just looks like it's Lazar at the moment. I think so. Yeah. But I think that that mentality, because you've got Quinn Hughes, you've got, um, I want to say JT Miller played college. Um, there's a couple of them there. And I think that could work. Now, what you'd take back, maybe it's not a defenseman. Maybe you're not trading. I mean, I'm not sure you could make get me to bite on OEL at this point. Plus, he's a left-side defenseman anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their right-side defenders don't impress me. Yes, we know how you feel about Tyler Myers. Okay. I, I like Tyler Myers more than you do, but I don't like him that much. <laughs> As, I don't like him at $6 million a year, no. Um. But I like him. I like him better at veteran minimum. But okay, given everything that we've seen on that team about needing to, or about that team about needing to make a roster change to shake things up and players who aren't performing to the level that they want, do you make a statement as that team by trading Bo Horvat, your 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 captain <laughs> back to trading Horvat and Besser and Pedersen and do you can't have the one guy I want, you know, <laughs> I think trading, I think there, I think trading a cat, trading a, trading a player with the, with a letter on his chest is, is making a bold statement. If the, whoever the heck did, who's the GM up there? Alvin, Alvin, Patrick, Patrick Alvin. Alvin. Yeah. Um, he just to, he hasn't been there that long. I think for him to make a statement like that, mighty mighty bold. I think it's necessary, but I, I think, think it'd be really bold. And I think because he's new, I mean, if somebody like a Lamorello or a Fletcher or uh, Ray Shero, you know, if they made a move like that, Everyone I think would expect it, it. I think there'd be different reaction than somebody. Like a Patrick Alvin, who is uh, I, it, 48 years old and hasn't even been there a year. Yeah. 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 Also, it's his first job as a GM. I mean, that 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 is bold. Now, whether you can whether you think that a Matt Grizzly for Bo Horvat trade straight up is an equitable trade or not is something we could discuss for a whole show. Yes, it or is. at least 35 minutes. 
we could also end up discussing that, you know, that's something that depending on where Vancouver is, the trade deadline, they might do anyway. Um, trade Bo Horvat. But for a right shot defenseman, this isn't the team you're going to trade to. Um, nope. I'm not sure who that team is, and I will I will actually spend some of the week looking. Um, is it Vince Dunn? Is are you trading to the Kraken? Reuniting Grizzly with Donato and Coleman. I was going to say he'd have friends out there. <laughs> he would. Uh, um, and there's probably one or two other guys he played college hockey with um, in that in that talent pool. I mean, oh, Cameron Hughes, former Bruins prospect. Uh, he's out there, as is Jesper Prodeen. So, yeah, it would be... It would be the Don Sweeney Appreciation uh, Society reunion uh, annual <laughs> reunion. Oh, speaking of the Donald, yes. Um, the Donald Sweeney Twitter account that is hilariously bad um, and not really Don Sweeney. Yes. Uh, tweeted out earlier today or twenty hours ago. Bruins are now five and one without top five in the world winger in Brett in Marchand and top five in the world D man and McAvoy. I think we can say things are looking good. Um, wait, wait, which, wait. we're just, nope, we're going to leave that one alone. We're just okay. going to, we're right. just going to leave it there. All right. But I am going to say that with all of your off air crowing about Swayman and, uh, Olmark, Mm-hmm. The same thing that I will say about uh, the current NHL standings that have, let's see, what was the egregious couple? Pittsburgh in first in the Metro, um, Seattle in third in the Pacific, and Dallas in first in the Central. They're the only two teams with better points percentage than the Bruins. It's early October. I know. And it doesn't mean a whole lot. Talk to me again a week before Christmas. Just ask Buffalo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, I find Buffalo's position less egregious than some of the other ones. No, but I mean, Buffalo, the last. They, they seem to have this thing where they jump out in the first play. Well, they didn't. They're in the first place, and then, and then come Christmas, you know, then come Christmas, they're back. Nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I understand that it's early. That's usually. Oh, last thing before we go, um, Pooh Bear logo poll, which was the retro throwback for the Bruins, which I don't particularly like the logo. Um, Fans were decidedly mixed. 30% 30% each for love and hate, and 40% for meh. <laughs> That's really not a good sign in terms of buying uh, for the Bruins. So would you rather just... That, it means that like 70% of Bruins fans don't care enough to go buy it. But what can you do outside of turning him into like a, I don't know, a, a, a peyote bear or something like that? I mean, what can you do to spice up the Bruins? It, the original logo is a, I mean, the logo is a spoke B. The original logo was a, what appeared to be a kid's drawing of a bear. The, 
And then there was that awful bear a few years ago with the pointy nose and the, I mean, at least the, the, the poofy head bear that they're bringing back is this reverse retro, blah, blah, blah. I kind of like that one. I'm okay with it, but I never liked it at all. But the fact that it's, so where do you go? I mean, and I'm obviously not the person to ask. I'm not artistic enough, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I am. I mean, but where do you go? I mean, your your logo is a, a B with spokes behind it. Your your alt only choice for really alternate anything is the fact that a Bruin is a bear, so you use a bear as a logo. It, I kind of I, honestly, I would prefer the the one that was a shoulder flash uh, with the snarling bear from like the seventies through the early nineties. The alternate had alternate logo to the one that's been resurrected. Really? That's the one I didn't like with the pointy nose. It looks I like, like it better than this Winnie the Pooh version, which just, no. It, it gets all sorts of nose from me. Okay. Uh, and do, that's, the Bruins have a, do the Bruins have a soundtrack? Uh, the Bruins, I have never seen a soundtrack from Boston Bruins. Well, just before we go, Seattle Kraken, no comment, just throwing this out there. They decided they needed a soundtrack, so Jerry Bruckheimer went to his best bestest buddy, Hans Zimmer, and Hans Zimmer is composing a soundtrack for the Seattle Kraken. Hans Zimmer is not part of the ownership team. Bruckheimer is. But because they're bestest buddies and they've worked on movies together, he made a phone call. They're getting back together. He's making a soundtrack. Seattle supplied the videos so that he could write the compose the soundtrack based on the video so they can make a hype. Why does a hockey team need a, a, a soundtrack? Um, because they don't <laughs> have a functional team. Oh, not supposed to say that. Anyways, you said it out, you said it out loud. <laughs> I, I am known for saying the quiet part out loud. Um, <laughs> And that, hockey fans, is where we'll leave you. You can find me at Puck Sage. You can find me at the Off Wing. Until next week. <laughs>